You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I am Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, call games at WPTS Radio, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, we have a really good episode today talking NFL draft prospects. The Senior Bowl is right around the corner, and we'll talk in all the pit NFL draft prospects with incomings from Pro Football Network. We'll talk a lot about Kenny Pickett, we'll talk about Damari Mathis, Taysir Mack, and even a little bit about Cal Adamitis. All that's coming up here on Locked On Pit. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Joining me today, a special guest from Pro Football Network, NFL Draft Analyst Ian Cummings, here to talk with me about some Pitt NFL Draft prospects. Ian, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I mean, it's the thick of draft season, right? So we're we're scouting guys, we're writing them up, we're preparing for the Senior Bowl, the All Star Circuit, and the Combine. Man, it's just a whirlwind. It never really ends. So, but you know, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. And this year is uh, an especially interesting one, especially if you're a Pitt fan, because you've got a guy who could be competing for a first round pick and Kenny Pickett. You've got Demar Mathis at the senior bowl who's a great prospect and you got some other guys too. So it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun, uh, you know, draft season and we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I can't remember the last time Pitt was uh, talking about first round draft picks for quarterbacks. Actually I yeah. can, his name is Dan Marino, um, but yeah. I wasn't alive of course, but it's not, <laughs> it's not all that often, man. We get a quarterback like Kenny Pickett coming out from here and, and, and you talked about it. Kenny has been Kenny was great at Pitt throughout the entire season. We talked last time we talked about him on here. We said, you know, all the things that were hyped up. He could be a first round pick if he kept it up. Well, he did. He parlayed it into a third place finish in Heisman voting and everything. And now it looks like he's almost a surefire first round pick. And just just to me, I, I mean, recap for your thoughts, uh, Kenny Pickett's season. I mean, unbelievable. He he really did turn in. A, a Joe Burrow S season, not completely like it, but it's very similar. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to rush the Joe Burrow concert. I know that's what people have been throwing out, and I don't want to diminish what Kenny did. Like, he, it was an amazing season. The Joe Burrows was, you know, just a crazy one, too. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think Burrow did everything a little more consistently, you know, especially when we talk about the pocket management. Like, I think Kenny's got great ability there, but does tend to work himself in the corners sometimes. But, you know, th- that's beside the point. I think the big thing for Kenny last year, because I remember in, like, October of 2020 was when I was really first exposed to him and I was watching his tape and I was cutting up some clips. I'm like, you know, this guy's actually got some talent, right? So I want to see him take the leap, right? Because he was still not very consistent with his mechanics, his accuracy, his decision-making. It was all still kind of coming together. And, and part of that was him. Part of that was, you know, he suffered a lot of injuries, sometimes with drops. So he wasn't always completely comfortable. But then coming into another year with Mark Whipple as his OC, working on his mechanics in the offseason, uh, that really, really took his game up a notch. And we saw it this year. He was as comfortable as he's ever been, probably had the best offensive line, the best wide receiver core that he's ever had. And, you know, the results kind of spoke for themselves. I mean, 
he was, you know, much more consistent with his entire process. And then, you know, the, the thing that drew me to him already was the off script ability, the ability to go off platform and, and get his hips rotated and, you know, lock and load, and then also keep his shoulders level off platform. That natural off platform ability was really eye catching to me. And, you know, when you, when he refined the rest of his process around that, you know, getting his mechanics squared in the pocket, you know, using the eye manipulation to better manipulate safeties. We showed, we saw more examples of that this year. Uh, you know, he just really kind of put it all together. You know, it's kind of cliche, but it is what happened, you know, and, and we finally saw it. Some people are going to be a little hesitant because we didn't see it until the very last year of his career, which, you know, is a valid, it's a valid counterpoint, but you know, the recent, the most recent body of work always takes the most precedence with me and looking at what Pickett did this year, you know, he really checks a lot of the boxes and, and especially in a weaker quarterback class, you know, it was the perfect time to do it. Yeah, he did a, f- a phenomenal job. And I, I think that you kind of hit all the points. It was astounding how much more consistent he was on just a, a level of everything. Accuracy-wise, I thought he was much more consistent, especially his deep ball. I You might not have watched his entire career here at Pitt, but I, I know from the first time I saw Kenny Pickett play to the this year, I, it's an unbelievable evolution of his deep ball. His, his deep ball was almost non-existent in terms of accuracy his first year. This year, it, it's just – it was so on point. There were points where he released the ball that it was going to go 30-plus yards in the air, and I just assumed it was going to be caught likely by Jordan Addison on the other end. Like, that's that's honestly what it got to. It was that automatic for him at this point. And then the mechanics, as you said, were very clean. He did, he did have some few games where I thought maybe he performed a little worse than people thought. I think – UNC, I think he kind of hurt the team. Um, uh, but there were games mostly where this guy, he put the team on his back, and he he really willed Pitt to a Peach Bowl appearance, an ACC championship, really the best season in 40 years for this school. And so there's a lot that this guy did. And, and for you, I mean, at this point, when, when we look at Pickett's skill set and – we look at the other quarterbacks, you know, the Matt Corrals, the Malik Willis's, the Carson Strong's, Desmond Ritter, um, anyone else you want to name, you know, anyone, Sam Howe, all those guys that could be high draft picks. Where we where do we think Kenny lies in there now? Is he I know there's no clear cut guy, and and that's the thing, but I mean, I I have to think, at least from what I've watched, what I've seen, he's in that upper echelon. Yeah, for sure. He's in the running for QB1. And for me personally, right now with the information I have, I I don't have a solidified QB1. So I'm not going to say like he is QB1. And in in any other class, like in next year's class, he'd be QB3 at best because you got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. In last year's class, he'd probably be QB4, QB5 at best, right? So it's definitely a weaker and more uncertain QB class, but he is in the running for QB1 this year. And, and that's not, you know, it's just as much a boon to him as it is a slight of the class. I think he really earned it. And looking at his skill set, like I said, I've always been pretty high on the physical abilities. We've talked about his arm talent. You think it's above average. I think it's a little bit more than that. 
you know, not elite for sure. And but I do like his ability to generate easy velocity, especially in the short and intermediate ranges. The deep range is where you start to see it kind of peter out a little bit sometimes. But, you know, like you said, he's kind of compensated for that with his timing, his accuracy on those deep passes and his ability to manipulate safeties and free up that space for guys. You know, being able to work around that and compensate for that is a big thing. And he's shown he can do that. But then also having the athleticism, I think he's going to test a little bit better than people expect. And, you know, the fake slide, everyone, everyone points to that. But there are instances in the pocket where he changes direction really quickly to evade guys. He definitely has that agility, that short range burst, you know, not top end speed, but definitely enough athleticism to create for himself as a quarterback, both in and out of the pocket. So you like to see that. Um, and then, you know, it's the physical traits. I feel like he passes the threshold for what I'd want in a starter. So when I when I when he passes that, then I go to the mental and see if he has it there. And I think he does too. I think there's sometimes when he misses reads, you know, that he's not totally consistent there. Like you look at Joe Burrow, you know, comparing them and Joe Burrow. I just think Burrow was a little bit more consistent in every department, you know. So I think that's the main difference with him. You know, you were going, you were talking about, you know, pick it, having a few off games this year, even in a Heisman finalist year. Joe Burrow really didn't have that. Every week it was just tearing apart defenses. So there is that where he's just a notch below. But, you know, still, Pickett was very good. I think he's one of the best processors in this class. And we had seen it in previous years, flashes of that. But this year being comfortable in the pocket, he, he showed more instances of standing. Like, I feel like in previous years, he relied on his running ability a little bit more. Uh, but this year was definitely more comfortable standing in the pocket, going through his progressions, reading the field and using his eyes to manipulate space and open up lanes for his receivers. So you having that, you know, that authority with your eyes, not just with your physical tools, people forget, you know, the eyes are just as important of a tool for a quarterback. You can use it to manipulate the field. But if you stare down guys, then you're working to a detriment for yourself. But I think Pickett, you know, took hold of that and used that to his advantage. And so me looking at that, you know, he's not always perfect with it. But at least it at least shows me that he has a good conceptual knowledge of the moving pieces on a defense on a given play. He knows how to manipulate that, how to work with that. And so, you know, that kind of that shows me that he's got the mental acuity to be an NFL quarterback. And then you look at the physical traits, he's got that, too. So he's one of the more well-rounded prospects in this class. Obviously, there are red flags. The hand size is going to be a big thing. Um, Rumored to be eight in a a quarter I've heard like just under eight to either way it's in that massive outlier range and you didn't see it as an issue a ton in college I still thought he got good grip good spin on the ball but NFL footballs are a little bit bigger so you have to factor that in we don't know how he's going to adjust we got to see it at the senior bowl at the NFL combine that's the biggest issue but if you can pass that I think he's going to you know I think he's going to win over some guys with his leadership ability his mentality and I feel like he's going to win over guys in interviews very well spoken guy has good recall too you'll you'll see him in interviews you know looking back to certain plays on in a given game he's like well yeah they had the guy coming up in the slot rotating us like he knows the game and then he's got the physical traits that's enough for me to say I'd be comfortable naming him QB1, at least in this class, just because there's really no one that's running away with it. So Pickett kind of takes the cake. Yeah, I think he's certainly the most sure thing. I, I will say that. I think you know what you're going to get with Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I don't think you know what you're going to get with Malik Willis. I don't think you know what you're going to get with Desmond Ritter. I don't think you know you're gonna what you're going to get with some of these guys. Like, even Matt Corral, you know, he he came in with this real strong start, kind of petered out at the end. There's so much that was moving on, and Kenny just stayed like this. And you knew, I think you when you look at Kenny Pickett's skill set, it's all very translatable. Like everything he does, the off script stuff, 
um, the the accuracy. The 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 you talked about his his above average arm talent. Again, I think it's just above average. You think it's a little bit more than that. I think he already does a great job of maximizing that velocity. So I know he can make the tight window throws when needed. He did it plenty this year. So if you talked about the mental acumen, you know, Pitt, Pitt's offense was often a one read and go type offense because they have Jordan Addison. But if you look at, at the Clemson game, once Addison went out, for example, he was doing a lot of stuff where he was going through two, three reads and, and, and working off that. Um, you could see him throughout the year really working off different reads. I thought his ability to go through his progressions was a very underrated part of his game. And I think another part, you know, escaping out that back door on the pressure side of things, that's his biggest bane. I think the pocket presence could be what holds him back early on, but if he can maybe fix it, I think that could heighten his yeah. ceiling. Now, yeah, I there, think there, that- are, there are moments where he does stand in the pocket, but like you said, like it can be it can work of detriment. Especially, like we see it with a lot of quarterbacks who have the mobility, who use it to their disadvantage sometimes, bailing clean pockets. That's that's kind of an affliction that a lot of them have. It does show up with Pickett a lot. It's not like Joe Burrow where Bo, Burrow knew when to stay in and when to go out exactly when. Pickett doesn't quite have that elite level instincts in the pocket, but you know the potential is there, and he has the ability to make plays off script or stand in the pocket. It's just a matter of finding the right feel. Yeah, and as you said, you know that that that's going to be a big concern. Maybe it won't be the mainstream concern though. The the hand size stuff has already been buzzing. I, I see it all the time. People finding out he has eight and a quarter hands. They also don't know, though, that he's probably going to run a 4740, if not lower than that. Like, that's legit what he has run. He's run four sixes at Pitt. So I think you ran a 475 out of high school, right? Something like that. The guy can zoom. Like, he Mm -hmm. can legit zoom. I've seen it enough to know that Kenny Pickett can zoom. And before we continue to talk about Kenny Pickett, I want to talk to you guys about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. So just head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash locked. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, talking Kenny Pickett here with Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. And Ian, I do want to talk about the hand size. And I think there were, in my research, there were only two guys, at least recently, that I saw that had similar hand size. I think it was Jake Fromm and Kevin Davidson. Obviously, those guys do not have the draft capital and that is going to be input in Kenny Pickett. How much do you think that hand size does matter? Like, like when we just have a debate about hand size for quarterbacks, like does it actually matter that much like to you? 
Yeah, to me, it's it's an interesting thing because it's something you can't really you can't really ignore it. You know, looking at statistically how many quarterbacks with that hand size have succeeded in the past. You know, I, I was talking to my good friend Kent Lee Platt, math bomb over at PFN. I was like, hey, dig up some stats, man. Like how just how much of an outlier is Kenny Pickett? And he came back to me. He's like, of the 650 quarterbacks that have measured their hands since like 1976 or something, only two have measured with smaller hands than Kenny Pickett. So it's usually nine inches is the boundary, right? I remember when Burrow came out, that was a little bit of, a, of an issue. You know, people were talking about it at the combine. Whoa, he's got nine inch hands. All right, what's this, what's, what's this about, right? And then Pickett's going to measure it with almost an inch smaller hands. That makes it an even bigger issue. So I think, but here's the thing. It wasn't that big of an issue in college. He could still spin it. He could still grip the ball. I was watching his North Carolina game, and there were some moments where there were a few iffy throws later on. But overall, I thought he closed out the game. And at the end of the day, he made the throw that got them the win in overtime. So it wasn't something that completely, you know, eroded his game. He could still stand in there and make throws. So it wasn't nearly enough of an issue for me. At the college level, there were a few fumbles, but still, you know, he was able to operate out of the offense. It wasn't enough of an issue for me to completely rule him out. That said, you know, it's so I see people saying like, oh, he's got eight inch hands. Like, nah, he's he's I'm not going to look at him. Right. You can't do that. You got to look at what he does on the field. You got to look at that. But at the same time, you can't stand on the table for him. You can't bang the table for him and act like he's a sure thing either. Like you, I've, I've been a fan of his for a long time, but I'm not going to stand here and say he's a sure thing when we've never seen a guy with his hand size succeed in the NFL. So the big test is going to be the senior bowl. Can he grip the NFL footballs? Can, cause they can run a little bit bigger. Uh, if you can do that, then that'll be a big step in the right direction for him. Cause you look at Jake from Kevin Davidson, guys like that, you know, yeah, they had the hand size, but they also didn't have the traits that Kenny Pickett has. They didn't have the athleticism that he has. They didn't have the natural off script ability and muscle memory with his mechanics that he has. And they didn't have good enough. They didn't have his good arms, you know, like Pickett's arm is an elite, but I think it passes the threshold again in what I'd look for, you know, it's not like a liability, right? So that's really what you're looking for. So I think if he passes the hand size test, then you're not looking at a lot of red flags for a guy, you know, and if he can do that, then I think he can be a solid NFL starter. But like you said, that's the biggest thing. And unfortunately, like as much as we want to say definitively, yeah, it's an issue or yeah, it's not an issue. We can't really say that until we see how he handles NFL football. So it's a wait and see thing. And I know people can be impatient. People can be like, nah, let's rush to judgment. We got to wait and see. So that's just how it is. Yeah, I agree. I did think that, you know, that second half of that North Carolina game was a rough game for him. And I think Mm -hmm. it, you know, he started with the glove on, took it off. I thought he improved once the glove came off. Obviously, that's why he wears his gloves. If you didn't know, I mean, it's for the grip of the football um it's very important for him to have on and it helped him I I thought outside of that game and Pitt only had really one game where it was bad weather wise which was that North Carolina game and that was so bad at at points that I don't know how anyone could throw a football I don't care if they're Josh Allen I don't think you were throwing a football with what Sam Howe had to deal with that night especially when it turned on like at the final drive and it was like monsoon types no one didn't have that but yeah yeah. the heavens opened up on Sam Howe and I felt (laughs) bad for him um but Kenny Pickett I mean it was poor when Pickett was out there and he fired a freaking laser to crawl so I'll I'll give him that I think that we'll see what the hand size kind of goes with if it actually is eight and one fourth um but we'll see I think I think it's I think it has the potential to be an issue for and I, I, I this sounds like sports talk I feel like I'm calling cowards saying this 
for like northern teams, teams that play in cold weather, right? Teams that play in in wet, in wet environments or or environments where you can see a lot of snow. So it could be an issue for a team like I'm going to talk about them, of course, but a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, or if they trade Russell Wilson, Seattle, they get a lot of rain up there, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there, there are some issues that could arise in those teams. Yeah. And the good thing is, team, if you're Pittsburgh, you've seen him play in Pittsburgh for a few years. So the, the big thing is the NFL football. I'd love them to go to like New Orleans where they have a, they have a, yes. where they have a dome, right? That, that's kind of a cop out right there, but that would be good. You know, it's, it's interesting. If it, like, you're right. It feels like we're nitpicking, right? But if you're an NFL evaluator, this could be this, this something as small as this could be what tips the balance for him. So you really got to be careful. Yeah. And again, I, I don't, it's not a deathly thing for me. It's I'm not super scared by it, but it does raise a question that you have to answer. And so you know, I, I have to ask it because I know plenty of Pitt fans that listen to my, my podcast are are one of two things. They are either Steelers fans or they are Eagles fans. Because if I know anything about Pitt, that's where most people come to Pitt from, Pittsburgh and outside of Philadelphia. Talk to me about those two teams. You think can I, I know the Eagles have Jalen Hurts and everything, but there's been talk about movement there. What do you like that either of those fits for Kenny Pickett? I like the Steelers, you know, I, aside, for the field aside, let's say the hands turn out to not be an issue. You know, I, I like the Steelers. I think Mike Tomlin's a guy who's he's always been competitive. He's never had a losing season. And I think that getting Kenny Pickett in there, you already have a few weapons in place. You know, you, you need to keep improving that offensive line. But I think if you're going to get a guy like I know Carson Strong is the preferred mold because he's kind of a little bit similar to what they've dealt with with Ben Roethlisberger, more of the pocket passer type who's got, you know, he has enough athleticism to navigate the pocket, but not enough to create off script. So I think but then he's got the big arm, too. So I think he fits the type. But, you know, with that offensive line still kind of in a patchwork form. I think getting a guy, you know, like everyone likes to say, what is a pro ready quarterback? And there's like a preferred, there's like a prototype in mind for a lot of people. For me, it's not so much what is a pro ready quarterback, but what are pro ready traits, obviously mental, but I think also having the mobility that Pickett has the agility to go outside the pocket, you know, evade pressure and create off script that in itself can be a pro ready trait because you can, you know, extend plays and you can give yourself more opportunities to make plays when plays collapse. So you gotta, you know, that's that it's an underrated quality for a, a rookie quarterback to have, but it can help you withstand adversity early at the NFL level. I think Kenny Pickett definitely has that. I'm not, I'm not an expert on Matt Canada's scheme. So I can't say, I can't speak too strongly whether he's a scheme fit, but I do think Pickett's a little, you know, having that experience, with progression work can help him out a little bit. So I think that he's a good fit for them. I, I, not as good of a fit for the Eagles. And just because I think the Eagles are probably going to stick with Jalen Hurts for another year. I think they have those three first round picks. I think they're just going to strengthen their roster and see what they get with Hurts. Me personally, I am not completely sold on the long-term ability of Hurts. I think eventually they'll be looking for another guy. But after seeing what Hurts did this year, at least helping them get to the playoffs, I think they're going to say this quarterback class isn't strong enough for us to divert course on that. I think they'll probably wait till 2023, but Pickett's a pretty good fit for Pittsburgh. I think, yeah. And one thing too, I think they share facilities, right? So, you know, having that, you know, that firsthand, they've probably had some experience with one another at some point over the stretch. So, you know, they have some familiarity and, you know, at the senior bowl, those interviews can help lock it in. Like, Hey, we know what this guy's about. We've seen him up close. We know, you know, what he brings to the table on the field, off the field. So that, 
that level of comfort, maybe it's a little higher for those guys being in the same area. So I don't know. I think the fit's a little better in Pittsburgh, but you know more than I do about Canada and what scheme, you know, whether Pickett's a good scheme fit for him. He was recruited by Matt Canada Pitt, so that really? me a lot. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. So that's a connection. The other connection that is, is obviously – I think there's like two obvious recruiting connections with him. It was Canada recruiting him to Pitt, and then two, it was uh, Matt Rule recruiting him to Temple before Pitt yeah. coached him from there. Yeah. Um, so Ca- Carolina is another fit. I-, I don't love the Carolina fit for him, but, yeah. you know, I, I-, I- it could happen. If it, like that, that might be his ceiling in terms of where he goes in the draft. Um, so I guess when we look at what well, let's talk about ceilings and floors, where do you see and not in terms of draft position, where do you see his ceiling as a player being and his absolute lowest floor being in the NFL? Because I have thoughts on this. This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. I. Let's start about let's talk about what I don't see. All right. I've seen people compare him to Mac Jones. I don't see that at all. You have to factor in the athleticism. That's a big, big part of his game to be able to create. Uh, I've seen people say Kirk Cousins, same deal. I think his ceiling is higher than Kirk Cousins. And, you know, I think Cousins is both, you know, maybe at the, you know, maybe he's underrated and overrated at the same time. Like he's a guy you can win with in the perfect situation. But as we've seen with the Vikings, they weren't able to get to that perfect situation point. They signed Kirk Cousins thinking he was the guy to get them over the hump. They stalled once they got to the top and fell back down. So, you know, sometimes I think Pickett can be, a top 14 quarterback in the league. I think he can be a guy like, like cousins that you can win with, you know, my, my comp and I don't, there's no one-to-one comp. Right. Uh, But I think stylistically traits wise, I think maybe Derek Carr with a weaker arm, you know, I think that's, that's a decent comp for him. Uh, I think he's got the athleticism. I think he's got the frame, Um, you know, not quite as able to drive the velocity downfield, but, you know, at least can be a guy that you can win with if you have a perfect team. And, you know, you can like it's true. You can win with those guys. Right. But let's say you get to the playoffs. Let's say you you're playing a guy like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. You rarely are you going to outduel that guy quarterback to quarterback. And that's becoming such an, an important thing in the modern NFL. You know, like if you have a great roster, yeah, you can make a run. But the margin for error is a lot slimmer when you're playing those quarterbacks who can elevate their teams can Pickett elevate his team I mean I'm he elevated Pitt at times in college but I'm not sure like I'm not willing to bank on that in the at the NFL level to that great of a degree you know like I think at his peak projection he can be a really good quarterback who can win you games but you know is that enough it's not always enough sometimes sometimes you need that guy who can really put you on his back and elevate that team and uh, it's very rare few teams have that but if you settle, sometimes it can set you back. So I like Pickett at, at that peak projection. I think that's what he can be, that Derek Carr type guy who definitely has the physical talent. And, and, you know, if he can, you know, keep attaining more consistency mentally, then it's really not for me to say what his ceiling is because the depth of the quarterback position at the NFL level, you know, the depth of the mental work you have to do is far beyond what many people perceive, right? So let's say Pickett keeps putting in the work and, you know, kind of keeps refining that part of his game he could reach heights that no one anticipated. Right. But at the same time, that depth is so big, it can be hard to get all the way there. You know, like Tom Brady's the only guy like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Those are the guys, those are the standards. Very few quarterbacks ever get to that point mentally. So it's, it's brash to say that anyone will, you know, but I think Kenny Pickett at his peak, probably that Derek Carr type, who was like a good quarterback, you know, at his best moments, you're arguing maybe he's the top 12 guy, but is he going to win you a Super Bowl? Is he going to put the team on his back? 
That's the question. As for what his floor is, I don't know. Floor, I, he, I think he has a pretty high floor. That's the thing. And we, we said it, you know, he's got the athleticism. He's got an, enough of an arm and mentally very clearly can go through progressions and manipulate safeties. I think his floor is pretty high. Maybe like a Jimmy G type guy. I don't know. That, that's that's just, it's probably, I didn't put as much thought into that. You know, I think his floor is high enough where you're not really going to worry about him busting out. I think he can be a good starter. I think a long-term starter. The, the real question is, what is his ceiling? Can he really lead you to the promised land? That's the question for me. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I like the, the car comp. I've seen some other guys throw around the cousins I've, I've seen Wentz thrown around. I think that's on the lower end of the projection, the Wentz projection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't like him as much, I think the Wentz comp works. Um, I, I like the Derek Carr comp. I really do. I think it makes a lot of sense. Their off script ability, their ability to throw off platform, the kind of the way they go through their reads. Um, I, I do. I think one thing and someone, you know, I was talking with, with someone about this um, that that NFL evaluators will have to kind of weigh is, when they look at this year and they look at his jump, they 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 see they're gonna see a lot of his tape where Jordan Addison is just completely wide open. I mean, there's no one there. You have to factor in some of how good was Jordan Addison. Like, how much of it was Jordan Addison? How much of it was Kenny? And I, I'd never thought of that before, but but you do, and it, it is something that you have to take into account. And I don't I don't think Addison completely overbared. Um, pick it but I will say this I think Addison I think when you talked about kind of elevating the offense I think Pickett did it at times obviously but I can also say I think Jordan Addison did his fair share of lifting of the offense too and he mm-hmm. helped push them over he was a game-changing wide receiver just a, a true wide receiver one so yeah there's also that you know there, there's ideally that ideally you have guys at quarterback and receiver who play off each other and elevate each other. Cause I, you could have made the same argument, you know, when Burrow had his spectacular season about Jamar chase winning those 50, 50 balls, getting downfield, you know, but then, Hey, at the end of the day, Burrow is uh, turned out to be a great quarterback, but he's got Jamar chase again. Right. So it's, it's one of those things you hope that when Pickett gets to the NFL, like you never want a quarterback to do all the work by himself, right? You got to give him weapons. And you know, I would love to see him reunite with Jordan Addison his second year. That would be really exciting, by the way. But, you know, it's it's what you're absolutely right, though. It's one of those things. You got to see how much work does Pickett do and how much work does his receivers do. There were, there were a few plays. I can't remember what game it was. I think it might have been Virginia Tech. It was the game-winning touchdown. So I can't it remember. It was Virginia, what, for sure. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, Brennan Armstrong where he threw it and, you know, it was a contested throw. I think he was fading away a little bit, so we couldn't get all the velocity on it. It was a dangerous throw. It could have been picked off. It was really a 50-50 ball, and Addison got it and took it all the way. You know, so it's it's one of those things where, you know, everything is situational. You got to look at every play from a situational basis and definitely was a case where the talent was elevating him. And not just Addison, too. They had some other great players, too, like Jared Wayne. I know he made some great plays, uh, Tazier Mack. Uh, they, they had a lot of great players on that offense and the offensive line helped them out a lot. So it is something, it is a question that you can ask, like, is Kenny Pickett going to be as good if we put him in a situation where he doesn't quite have that supporting cast in place yet? So, you know, ideally you give him the weapons he needs to succeed, but you know, he's one of those guys where I think he's not that Justin Herbert who can just make those lasers wherever he goes and, you know, elevate your team all the way through the game. 
you know, it's one of those guys where, yeah, he's got talent, but you got to make sure you're not just leaving him out to dry because he can't always do everything on his own. That is 100% the truth. We talked all about Kenny Pickett. And before we go over to the rest of Pitt's draft prospects, I want to let you know about Bet Online because Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. The sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started again. All you have to do is use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started and you can get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Continue to talk about pit draft prospects here. And, and so, Ian, you know, talking a little bit more, kind of just Kenny, just to wrap this up, give me a range where you, where you see him uh, going overall. What's the range for Kenny? That we're going to do high, a hot, the highest pick and then your your lowest pick, too. And I know the draft door is not solidified yet, but mm-hmm. it is 24 and up. So we'll see, I guess, from there. All right. Well, shoot, if I have to go highest, man, if we're factoring trade ups and like here, here's the thing. All right. If we're talking like what is a quarterback worth in their raw value, like no trades, like I, I'm not sure any quarterback is worth a top five pick in this class. But at the same time, every year we see the quarterback value, it's positional value. It gets inflated every year, you know, and all it takes is a good senior bowl performance. All it takes is, you know, showing that the hand size isn't an issue winning over teams and in interviews and all it takes is two teams to want him and that can drive the price up right so at his ceiling i think pickett could go top five and that you know i'm saying that for any quarterback in this class if you win over other teams then you can go top five because that's just the nature of the quarterback position you know teams need quarterbacks and you know i think pickett has a little bit better chance because if he does you know figure out that hand size if it's not an issue then like we've said in previous, you know, earlier in this podcast, like we've said, has a higher floor than most of the guys in this class and actually has the the, the talent to, to be a productive starter, you know, in the right situation. So looking at that, you know, being a safer bet and actually having the talent to, you know, elevate his game a little bit, you look at Pickett as probably one of your better bets in the top five, if you're going to trade up for a quarterback, right? So I think top five, I'll go with five. I'll just say five. I don't think I don't think anyone is quite that good enough to be the number one or number two pick. We're not, we don't have any Trevor Lawrence's or Justin Fields. And as, as much as I like Pickett, he's not that. So I think five is probably the max for him. And that's the team trading up for him, which, you know, can always happen when they get in these arms races for prospects. The lowest I see him go, I think he's probably a first rounder at this point, but let's say the hand size is a little bit of an issue. And, you know, I'm, I don't think it's going to be something where like he's completely debilitated. He's, he can't, you know, grip a football, but maybe let's say some of his throws at the senior bowl are a little wobbly, you know, a little inconsistent. Let's say it continues at the combine, right. You know, maybe then you're falling into like the late first round, early second round. I'd probably say 35 would probably be the floor. I think early second round, because I do think teams are saying like, all right, well, hey, we've got plenty of gloves for you. Put on the gloves, maybe double layer them if you need to. Right. But, you know, you've got the natural talent. 
to play quarterback either way. I, I think, you know, I, I don't think the hand size is going to be completely debilitating at all. So I don't think he's going to fall completely out of the water. I think probably 35 is, is the floor. And this is me projecting for like your max ceiling, your max floor. If you want to give me a, a more reasonable range, probably six where the Panthers are and 18 where the Saints are. You know, maybe that's a little more realistic. I, I think as long as it checks out, as long as the hand size isn't an issue, I think you're looking at an early to mid first rounder. And that's just because he's one of the more sure things in a very uncertain quarterback class. And teams will play a lot for certainty. They will. So I think that's my answer on that. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Interesting. You didn't say six to 20 because obviously the Steelers sit in the 20 and that's going to be plenty. Oh, of yeah, it, could, it could be 22, but Hey, if the Steelers like him, man, maybe they trade up a little bit. We'll see maybe on now. but uh, I, I yeah. don't anticipate them doing that, but you know, it, it could happen. Who knows? But I, yeah. I know that'll be talked about for a lot of this draft cycle. It already mm-hmm. has been. I I've heard pick it to the Steelers more than enough over the past five days since the Steelers got eliminated. So we've heard it's a about natural, it. It's a natural fit, man. Well, I mean, I won't say fit. It's a natural, you know, people look at, Pickett from Pittsburgh and Pitts. Oh, Pittsburgh needs a quarterback. There you go. There you go. Right there. Which like, it's one of the options, but it's one of many options. You don't want to restrict it to that. You know, there, there could be a lot of teams interested. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so talked about 30 minutes about Kenny Pickett. Cause why can't you, I could talk for hours about Kenny Pickett <laughs> and everything that encapsulates his game. Love the guy's game, just everything he does. And, and I think he'll be a solid pro again. I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll be a, a bona fide franchise quarterback, but I do think that this guy has the potential to be a top half of the league quarterback. Um, but Pitt has other prospects. You alluded to one that will be going down to Mobile this coming month in February. I'll be down there. I hope you will too, Ian. But we will, if you will, we'll both see Damari Mathis down there. Um, cornerback from Pitt. Pitt has produced a few of these guys in recent years. Uh, Damar Hamlin, Dane Jackson, Bonte Maddox. I can name them. Jordan Whitehead. Like, there's a ton of DBs that come out of that RDG scheme. And, and Mathis is the latest one. Jason Pinnock. I cannot forget Jason Pinnock from mm-hmm. last year. Um, so, so Mathis, what do you see in his game? I think I think he's a little bit of an interesting case because he was pitched CB1. I don't know if he performed as well as he did in 2019, but I thought it was a pretty good year for DeMar Mathis. Yeah, I, I I didn't think it was as good as 2019, but his 2019 was really good, right? So, you know, I, I think that was a little bit of a high bar to clear. Obviously, 2020, the non-contact shoulder injury, getting knocked out for the entire year, that was rough. And I think that, you know, a lot of people forgot about him when he was out for that year, you know, especially after such a good 2019 and kind of just falls off the radar. I think the Senior Bowl was a really good chance for him, especially to get back on the map. But, of course, being at the Senior Bowl alone, it shows that scouts are looking at you because we've read the senior bowl articles. What do these senior bowl guys think about when they're choosing guys like, Hey, who's the NFL interested? Who's the NFL want to see the NFL wants to see Damari Mathis. So it's going to be fun to see if you can take advantage of this opportunity, looking at him on tape, you know, I, I I'm not sure he's elite in any my brother's texting me, but I'm not sure if he's elite in any area. I think he's got good bursts coming out of breaks. I think he's, you know, got good closing bursts. But again, again, I don't think it's quite elite. You know, I don't think he has elite top end speed. And then he's kind of average size. I think he has good proportional length, but you know, again, not that super long rangey guy. For me, what stands out is the fundamentals, the vis- the physicality, especially in press. 
Uh, he's got, he's really good at using, at, at doing feet first, you know, kind of setting up his stance, you know, matching guys out of the breaks, not getting over aggressive with his hands and punching too early while his base isn't set, because that's a good way to, you know, get caught in the lurch and then guys are running around you, right? I think more often than not, Damari Mathis does a good job of matching guys with his footwork, using feet first, but he's not, he's not afraid to kind of give him a jam either. He's not afraid to be physical at the line. And then he can recover pretty quickly. He's got fluid hips. I really like how he can sink his hips into direction changes and then explode out of them. Uh, so I think he's going to test a little bit better in the explosiveness than other drills, which at the end of the day, that's the most important thing for me. Like you can run a mid four or five, but if you have like a 35, 36 inch vert, you know, 37, that, that at least shows me that you can close short spaces quickly. And you're not always, usually you're dealing with shorter spaces in football. So, you know, if you can traverse those bases close ground quickly you know initial trigger on the ball if you're explosive there uh, that that's good for me that's something I really value and then at the catch point too we saw it in 2019 definitely has the instincts at the catch point this year you know sometimes he can get a little grabby when he's trying to keep up with guys but you know he does have the instincts I love that he's competitive he plays the ball till the end of the snap you know even if the receivers ha receiver has his hands on the ball the rep isn't over Mathis is trying to fight to pry it out and he can be successful sometimes so you know I love his competitiveness there too I think that competitiveness that physicality and then having the footwork at the line to match guys especially in one-on-one -on -one drills. I think that'll be enough to, you know, turn some eyes his way. Again, I don't think he's like a freak from a physical standpoint, but he has the explosiveness. He's, I think he's good enough in a lot of areas. So I think if he sticks to the fundamentals and kind of shows that physical side of, of his game, especially even in run support too, he can come up, he can make tackles. He's That's a good part of his game too. So I think if he shows that well-rounded nature of his game, that physicality, the fundamental, the footwork at the line, you know, that's something that can stand out in one-on-one -on -one drills. Those are kind of designed to bring those traits out. So, because if you don't, if you, if you had the athleticism, but you don't use your feet first, if you get caught in the lurch, it doesn't really matter how athletic you are, guys can get a step on you. But if fundamentally, if you're sound right at the line in press using your, your feet to your advantage, uh, that can really go a long way for you. I think Mathis has that at least. So this will be a good opportunity for him because I do think a lot of people are sleeping on him, maybe myself included. I'm excited to see more of him and I will be there. So to see him in person, it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I think Mathis is, is a pretty solid corner. And I agree with most of what you said. I, I do think, you know, I go back to the Wake Forest tape and it was, I, I it was, it was the last game in college. And I think he put out a, a, a bit of a rough first quarter. Uh, he working against A.T. Perry and something you notice is, is how, you know, when you're on that island in the Narduzzi scheme, your eye discipline has to be great. And I think that's where he can get a little bit lost at times. I think his eyes sometimes deceive him a little bit. And sometimes he will declare his direction a little bit too early and he can get fooled. And I think A.T. Perry did a lot of that in that game. And everything else I, I pretty much agree with with you. Uh, the physicality standpoint, one play that stands out to me, uh, it was down in the red zone against Georgia Tech. There was a, a wheel route coming his way, and Jameer Gibbs was, was catching it, and he came up and absolutely just popped Jameer Gibbs. I mean, it was going to be a touchdown if he doesn't do it. And legal hit, everything you look for, textbook, it was gorgeous. And, and I will say this about Narduzzi DBs. We've seen all these guys, it doesn't matter if they're late-round picks or not, they translate well to the NFL. They do. This scheme trains them well. I think – especially at the senior bowl when you're talking about, you know, those, uh, th those one-on-ones, right. I mean, Damari's pretty much doing that in the game. So he's done this, his whole career. That's his, that's his natural environment in that scheme. So, you know, Dane Jackson's actually producing on the bills. Damar Hamlin plays 
all these guys play. Jason Pinnock played a lot this year. All these guys play. And, and I do think, you know, I, they don't say scout the helmet, but the scheme of Narduzzi, at the very least, it breeds something, I think, within the, these corners. And I think Mathis is a solid player. So I, 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 this is actually one I really don't have a clue. I, I haven't been able to get a, a true read on where Mathis actually is stock-wise. I think he's a day three guy, but, you know, he, he's good man coverage corners. They don't always come around. And, and I think with the good, this is just my feel for it. I think with the good week in Mobile, I think he can catapult himself into maybe the top 150 or so at, at his height. Otherwise, I think he's a late, maybe sixth, seventh rounder. Yeah, I would probably I would probably say the same thing. I, I think he's day three right now. The thing working against him is that this is a very strong corner class, uh, you know, both at the top and it's pretty deep, too. Uh, so it's it's a lot of talent. But the good thing is he's at the senior bowl. Not a lot of cornerbacks can say that. Right. So it, like you said, it's a very good opportunity for him. Man, I think man coverage is definitely his stronger aspect and teams that run more man. We'll be looking at him. They'll probably have him circled coming in. Like, hey, this is a guy we want to see how he fares in one-on-ones. You know, obviously missed 2020 with injury, but has talent when he's been healthy, right? So you want to see how he fares there. And I think teams, especially teams that run more man coverage, will be looking at how he performs. I think probably the range would be, obviously, if he doesn't perform well or doesn't quite stand out, because you can have like a decent week at mobile, but not stand out. And that can kind of stagnate your stock a little bit. You know, obviously, I think, you know, being able to be up close and interview him, I think that'll endear him to some teams and maybe get him some real estate in early to mid day three. But I think if he shows out, if he has an incredible week, that's where maybe he sneaks into late round three. I think that's probably his ceiling, right? Because I don't quite see the elite physical traits that you see with other corners in this class, but there is enough there. Uh, for teams that run certain schemes, scheme scheme fit is a big thing in the NFL draft. You know, we we see guys go, you know, who don't have a lot of buzz. Sometimes they'll go in those middle rounds just because they fit a scheme really well. And I think if you run on a soft shoe, you know, press coverage, you know, maybe press bail. He's he's got experience in those in those schemes, right? So you know, having that experience is a, is a big thing for him. Can align him with certain philosophies and kind of boost his stock a little bit in some rooms. If as long as he has a strong showing, I think it's possible. I think more than likely, though, probably around four, five, six type guy. Uh, but uh, he has a big opportunity, like you said, you know, at the showcase to put himself in front of NFL evaluators on an island and prove, hey, he's got what it takes. And he's, he's done it before at the college level. So I don't expect it to be much different now. I think he has a good shot to do that. If he does, I'm thinking around four, maybe, maybe around five, but definitely safely in the draftable range. I'm looking to see him face a guy like Jahan Dotson. I, I yeah. think that would be a real fun matchup to see him against because I don't think he faced a ton of guys like him. And I want to see him against a pure route runner like Dotson. I think that's that's a matchup I want to see. If yeah. For nothing else, it's Pitt versus Penn State. But if or more importantly, I think it's a really good matchup for both of those guys. Yeah. Um, but when you look at Pitt overall, again, we don't have that many draft prospects to talk about because Dennis went back, Warren went back, Hoy went back, Miner went back. Cansey went back. Haba Baldonado went back. They all, Deslin Alexander went back. Yep. They all went back. So I don't have many to talk with you, but I do have two more guys that are, I really do want to highlight. Lucas Kroll. Uh, so Lucas Kroll, their big tight end, obviously. We talked about him. You talked about him maybe as a potential riser and in this tight end class. I don't think it quite came to fruition. I think that he's a, 
bit of a flawed prospect. I don't think he has great hands. I, I think that was a big issue this year for him. He dropped a lot of balls, didn't make the combat catches. He's he's a decent blocker, but he's not going to move DNs off the line of scrimmage. So he's more of a why off type type guy. But I will say this, and I, I believe if if correct me if I'm not wrong, I, I think that Lucas Crow is going to the Shrine game. So I do believe that he's getting a. Uh, I believe so. I'll have to confirm myself too, but I I would imagine he is. I think he's got enough in the toolbox to generate some interest there. But I think yeah. I think Shrine is where he would go. Yeah. So I believe he is in that Shrine Bowl. I mean. What do you think of Lucas Carr? I think he's an athletic tight end, and I think there's always in the in today's game places for guys that are six six can run four five or you know low four sixes and 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 can be a mismatch. And I, I think that's where Crawl is going to fit in. I think there's always a place for guys like Lucas Crawl in the league. Yeah, you know, I think most of what you said pretty much aligns with what, what I'm thinking. And you know, that you see, he's got a you know he, he's a pretty fiery competitor. Like on the sideline, he'll get into it. It doesn't always translate to the field. You know, as you said, not a great blocker. And then as a catcher, too, you know, doesn't always come in with consistency in those contested catch situations the way you'd want a guy with his size and his fire, too. You know, I think there are times when, like you said, the drops, you know, you want to have strong hands, especially if you're thinking about where he's going to be relied upon being that wide tight end, going up the seam with his athleticism in the red zone, making those crucial catches to get points on the board. If you can't convert with consistency in those departments, that's going to knock you down. And, you know, he's shown flashes. He's definitely athletic. I think he was on Feldman's freaks list or something. I can't remember, but he's he's got the athleticism uh, and the size, too, at like 6'5", 250. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it all together. I think the athletic traits are worth banking on at some point. I think I've been mocking him somewhere in day three, and most of my mock drafts are probably around like round six, round seven at this point because, you know, he, he's not at the senior bowl. Won't quite get that premium exposure but he does have the traits. I think athletic testing will help him. And then, you know, he, he's shown enough flashes on tape where I can say we, you know, spend a late flyer on this guy, maybe develop him into something. Right. But right now doesn't have a calling card for me that I'm going to say, you know, some guys get drafted in round four or five because they're elite blocking tight ends, maybe not much of a receiver, but they have the elite utility in that running phase where they can just pave open lanes. He's not that, you know, and he's not elite as a receiver either. So there's really no calling card to boost his stock, but there's enough potential to, you know, spend a late round flyer on him and see what you can get out of him. I think, I think that's where you probably what happens with him. Yeah. At the very least, he'll get a call as UDFA sign on board, get a chance to show his talents and and certainly do that. Now, another guy I do want to talk about, he got an NFL PA bull invite. It was Taysier Mack. And that one, you know, what was a somewhat of a surprise to me because Mac didn't get a full COVID year, unfortunately, for him this year. He had a few really big catches the game against Clemson, obviously the big catch from Kenny Pickett on that fourth down. But he's an interesting player to me because, boy, with Pitt, he has been high and low. The, the degree of inconsistency with this guy has been clear, but he is a vertical threat. He's got vertical explosiveness. He's got enough long speed. I, again, I don't expect him to get drafted, but I think that at least if, if you're looking at, okay, there, there's a guy that could potentially, from this pit kind of class here, push for as UDFA to make a roster or at least push for a practice squad spot. I think Mac has enough tools to at least kind of work there on the fringe. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. And I think the explosiveness, you know, definitely helps him to get downfield, but also vertically, you know, like I think he has that vertical leaping ability to get up into the air and to snare some high passes, right? Now, like you said, never quite, it was, wasn't always consistent, right? You know, like he had a good year back in like 2019, I think like 63 catches or something, you know, over 700 yards. Uh, but then Jordan Addison came into the fold and, you know, he was back to second fiddle, right? So he never quite had that, you know, that 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 breakout where it became that dominant threat for the offense. I think what he does well, you know, having that explosiveness to stretch the field and make those vertical, those catches up in the air, you know, compete for those contested catches, you know, elevating above defenders. We've seen that from Taysier Mack, and I really like that. Uh, but, you know, I don't think he's an elite separator. I think that's kind of more more or less what the mode of his game is, right? So, but hey, you know, team's going to spend money on that. And I think he'll test well, especially in the explosiveness drills. He can definitely gear up quickly and get up there a- as a catcher. That alone, like you said, that's enough for him to get a, to get a you know, call as an undrafted free agent. And then having the experience, too, having the size at six foot two, 190, you know, that's enough, I think, to give him a chance in a camp. And from there, you know, in one-on-ones in practice, you know, having that vertical leaping ability in those hands, that can be big for him to stand out in, in those in those little moments too. So I think he's got a chance to stick around as a UDFA, but I I don't. It's probably unlikely he gets drafted, and you know, part of that is you know not being able to be consistent, but part of that is kind of the depth of this class too. This receiver class is really deep. A lot of guys, uh, you know, it, it's I, I was doing my wide receiver rankings. It was like 35, you know, on my top 300. It's crazy how many guys are out there, and there's more that I wanted to, that I wanted to list, but I couldn't. Uh, but it's it's a very deep class, a lot of flavors, and you know sometimes talented guys like Tazier just get kind of you know swept out of it. But that doesn't mean they're not going to have a future. You can make it as an undrafted free agent. You certainly can, and I think that he has a chance to do so. Now, one last guy we have to talk about, and I, he's another guy that's going to be down in Mobile for Pitt. Pitt has three guys in Mobile, and it has to be the long snapper himself, Cal Adamais. I told you last time. I wanted your long snapper rankings. Did, did you do some long snapper rankings? Oh, shoot. I, I haven't gotten around to it yet, but if I had, if I had to, if I had to do it right now, Cal out of mind, it's number one. And that's not just because I'm on a pit podcast. I don't know why you guys would think that, but uh, I, I can't offer analysis on my long snappers. Unfortunately, I'd have to talk to Ollie about that. He's the special teams guru. Uh, he's got the kicker rankings, the punter rankings, all that stuff. But I will say this, both long snappers who went to the senior bowl last year, Thomas Fletcher and Cameron Cheeseman, got drafted, you know, and so teams, if you have an extra pick on day three, uh, then you are, you can spend it on a long snapper. I think Washington spent their, it was fifth or sixth. It wasn't seventh. I would have done a seventh, but teams do it. You know, if you have a need there, like, let's say there's a lot of veterans who've been sticking around a while. I, I haven't done my team needs for long snappers, but I might just sift through that for my next mock <laughs> and see, see where Cal can go. But you know, teams have needs at long snapper. It's a thing. Like you need a guy who can snap it back you know, be that kind of mainstay on the special teams unit, you know, and teams are, you know, they're, they're kind of cycling through them every year. So I think that, you know, getting a up close and personal look at them at the senior bowl, like we saw with Fletcher and Cheeseman last year, it was the main reason they got drafted because they were there. Cal Adamalitis simply being at the senior bowl to get that exposure is big for him. And I, from everything I've seen, I know he has like a foundation. He's a great off field guy, high character, you know, at the very least a, a really great, you know, locker room guy, which having that in a long snapper, you know, you want your long snapper. If you're going to have him around for a long time, make him be a, a staple in the locker room. I think Adam Midas will have no issues there. So I think the senior bowl is a great chance for him to get drafted as a sixth or seventh because teams that have those extra picks, if they have a need, they're going to use it just to kind of secure that position. 
Yeah, I, I'd never called Cal Adamitis' name one time while he was playing, and that's good. He His snaps yeah. were always at the same point, perfectly, perfectly, and I mean perfectly precise. And, and again, I, I'm not a long snapper expert either, mm-hmm. but but Cal Adamitis was so consistent, and, I, and he there was never a, a hold that I said, man, if he had not put that as high as he did, that could have been an issue. It was, it was very seamless with Cal Adamitis, and I'm honestly looking forward to it because – Long snappers, man. How can't you love it? And soon enough, Cal Adamice will have his flow back. And and that was obviously what he did off the field. Well, Ian, this was great, man. And I'll, I'll let you plug your stuff. Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Do all that good stuff. Yeah, so you follow me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. Uh, profile Network is at PFN365. Got a lot of draft profiles in the works. We're still adding them in the lead up to the Senior Bowl. I think we got over 200 total recently, so we're trying to churn out more. Uh, it's a great group to get through, uh, but, you know, always happy to keep digging. Uh, so that's where you can find me. That's where you can find my scouting reports. And uh, excited to chop it up. Keep chopping it up as the season progresses. And excited to see you and the pit prospects down in Mobile. It's going to be a blast. Make sure you guys go check out Ian, folks. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. And as always, as we end it off, hail to Pitt.